and thank you for joining the Ashley Webster Experience. I'm here with Brian Solomon and a very special guest. We have a special guest every time, but I mean special guest. His name is Rob O'Neill. He's from Butte, Montana, which, by the way, I'm very familiar with, yeah. having lived in Helena, just up the road from Butte for a number of years. We used to go down there, have great bars. It's at 6,000-plus feet. It was always colder, always snowing, even in July. But I loved it down there, and this is where Rob O'Neill came from. It's where you were born. Isn't it is, that right, yeah. Rob? Thank you, uh, guys, for having me, too. Yeah, yeah uh, Helena's nice, uh, and I can tell you're not full of it because you pronounce it right. Everyone says Helena. I know. Well, it Helena. was have a Helena day. Yeah. That was the slogan. <laughs> and I love Montana. I was just looking at property up there in between Helena, Montana and Great Falls, Montana. Yeah. There's a little place called Cascade, Montana. Yes, no, it was. And there's riverfront property right there, not as bad as near like Bozeman It's right or off the 15, right? It's right yeah. off the interstate. Because it's not near a major airport and it's not near a major ski resort. So the riverfront is just really it's cool. It's gorgeous. If you like to, you know, fly fish and all that. Oh, yeah, beautiful. all that stuff too. Plus you can... You can get like a peninsula on the river, so when the uh, the big war starts, you can defend yourself, whatever that means. I met my fair share of survivalists in Montana, let me tell you. It was fascinating. I did stories with uh, the uh, Montana National Guard, and they would, fly, yeah, they're right there. they would fly over sections of forest, and on the walls, they would have areas blacked out, and they wouldn't fly over them because they were getting shot at. Because really? survivalists thought they were part of the New World Order, and when you look up, their green helicopters look black. They would get <laughs> fired at. So they just said, rather than mess around with them, they just, just don't fly there. Just yeah. don't fly there. Well, there's wow. crazies on the right, there's crazies on the left. That's proof of it right oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't care what your side of the aisle is, don't shoot at the helicopter. <laughs> Chances are you're not being invaded. We did, a, we did a training trip like that when I was in the Navy to Portland, yeah. uh, the People's Republic of Portland. <laughs> and and uh, we, had, um, we had our little... Our little birds, they're small helicopters, yeah. and then we had Blackhawks, and they're all black. They're black helicopters, not because right. you're going to blend in. They're, they're, whatever, they're just black because I think right. it's cool. And there was um, a big problem in the newspaper that, that was talking about, you know, invasion here, yeah. and they're talking about the black helicopters are here, and like, it was when Bush was president, and oh. they're like, they're finally invading. It's like, we don't need comes. to invade Oregon. <laughs> we got it already. It's kind of, it's one we of the- put a wall around Oregon. Actually, you know what? I, that's- but yeah, you know. people get nuts over that stuff too. We're just, we're, we're just training here because this is our country and we're trying to get we want our guys to be able to fly through buildings. Right. We had a great operation too planted at jumping into Salem, the the uh, capital of Oregon. It got shut uh, down because if they saw helicopters, imagine if they see like a bunch of Navy SEALs. <laughs> That's definitely it. They're all diving into the coffee shops yeah. and then just John Kerry lost and we're here to prove it. <laughs> or like that. If you haven't realized by now, I didn't do a job, a uh, very good job of introducing Rob. Rob, well, you were a member of uh, SEAL Team 6. Um, you were a Navy SEAL. I said you were born in Montana. I guess my question to you was, and we'll get to you obviously the remarkable mission that you went on, and we'll talk about that involving um, Osama bin Laden. But I just want to go back to Montana. How did you get from being raised in Montana into the military, and in particular into the the Navy SEALs? Uh, a lot of luck. Uh, I tried. Well, it's it, life is what happens around you while you're planning. Yes, and most of the stuff you worry about never happens anyway. So think about something that really bothered you other than taxes last April, a year ago. So April 2018, does it really matter now? Probably not. So the stuff you're stressing about doesn't doesn't happen, mm. life, all that good stuff. Because uh, my plan was to stay in Montana, get a degree, work for my dad. I got dumped by a girl. And, well, and the, 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 um, the first part of my book, it's the very first sentence, is I owe my career as a Navy SEAL to a girl. So I went. She to, broke your heart. Yeah, and and it's time to leave town. And and the more I travel too, I learned that a lot of people doesn't matter where you're from. People always say, "I just got to get out of here." Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was it. The quickest way out of Butte, Montana, is to join the Marine Corps. And so I tried to join the Marine Corps, and, and he happened? wasn't there. He and, wasn't there. No, the recruiter. No, again, luck. 
it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. Yeah. And I went into the Navy guy's office because he was there, and I asked him why the Marine wasn't there, and he said, why do you want the Marine? Typical recruiter. Well, I said, I, well, I want to be a sniper. He said, no problem. We have snipers here in the Navy. And I didn't know anything. He said, all you, all you got to do is become a Navy SEAL first, then we'll send you. And so I joined. That. I didn't know how to swim. Nothing. He, wow. he did, turns out he didn't care. Didn't know how to swim, but he joined <laughs> I, the Navy. Yeah. Well, because he was. Turns out he wasn't worried about my well-being. He was worried about his quota wow. as a recruiter. And a lot of guys don't join the Navy from Montana because that's what we call landlocked. <laughs> but you had learned to shoot, I would imagine. I knew how to shoot. That's as why I wanted to be a Montana, marine. And that's why you wanted to be a yeah, sniper. Yeah. Well, we used to hunt elk in Montana. Yeah. Where elk are so smart, you need if you don't. Some people will disagree, but if you don't get an elk within the first 10 minutes of light, you're probably not going to get one all day until the sun comes down. Were you the guy that put elk urine on himself? Yeah, oh, yeah. Stayed, yeah, yeah. Walk was into, conscious of which way the wind was blowing? The wind is, that's that's serious. Yeah. Uh, if, if an elk smells you, it's worse than shooting at him. Yeah. They're gone. They are out of there. But the point is, like, if we wanted to get him in the mountain, we'd have to know how to hike up uh, mountains in the dark. Because, like, the you have to no, you can't use night vision. The t- <laughs> fish and wildlife, <laughs> they frown on that. Um the park rangers are yeah they'll take your truck but uh you have to know how to wa- navigate your way using either a compass or stars are you doing this in the snow in the oh, cold yeah, and, and everything oh. and just knowing where i think the elk would come up using the wind to my advantage and, and catching them instead of uh, ha- catching them on, like an ambush as opposed right. to them seeing me and so just doing that knowing how to shoot long distances using wind shooting over valley shooting angles I figured I would be a good sniper, and Marines are on the land, and mm-hmm. I that's why I'll join the Marines. So uh, would you say hunting animals helped you be a better soldier? It it did. It did, yeah. It teaches just it teaches uh, hunting anything living. Um, they have a will to live, and it's a – it taught me respect for life, too. You know, yeah. it's, it's one of the – it's one, yeah. I, like I never bow hunted because I thought it was cruel to the animal. Mm. I mean, we people do it fine, but I, I don't have any interest in it. I'm going to try to get them to kill. It's a clean kill. But, right. yeah, just getting out there amongst them and watching them, how they respond to each other, how they respond to uh, people. Mm. And, and uh, mm. yeah, just it, – it, you know, it's one of those things in Montana you just do. So you do. Um, I, I always remember sitting at the traffic lights in Helena, and I'd look to the right, and there'd be a deer splayed out on the hood mm. of the truck next to me. Did with, you ever go with hunting? The, with the towel, with the tongue lolling yeah, out that's the Yeah, that's the first thing they do. You know what's cool, too, in some of those places in Montana, especially the elk, is they realize where they're not getting shot at, <laughs> so they'll come into the cities. <laughs> and there's, there's there's towns in Montana where they 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 live on the football field of the local high school. Wow. Smart. They're not getting touched. Yeah. These 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 elk are smart. Right. I always said if and they then the really sec- got their act together. They're more elk than people. And in then Montana. the second the season's over, they're everywhere. <laughs> they know you, you can't do anything to them. That's serious. I, I've seen them do it. <laughs> okay, so you get into the Navy. Yes. You get into the Navy SEAL program. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, we know how difficult it is. Well, all when, the, when I what jo- you have to go through? When I joined. And then I found out was ex- what was expected of me. I had five months to learn how to swim. Five months before I left, from the time I joined to the time I departed. So I had to learn how to swim. And I just got an attitude like, look, I'm, I'm definitely leaving Montana. Uh, I get to see what Navy boot camp's like in Great Lake, Illinois. Mm. I will get to Coronado, San Diego, and I'll live there. And I probably won't make it through this training, but who cares? I I got to try it out, and mm. if I get kicked out, because I'm not going to quit. I just decided that just simply because everyone told me I wasn't good enough, so I'm not going to make them right. But when I get kicked out, I, I'll go to this fleet. Uh, I'll see the world on a ship, and in four years, I come back to um, Butte, Montana, hang out at Maloney's Pub, and tell, uh, tell, tell sea stories. I also learned in the Navy that, that they're saying should be see the world from about 15 miles away. Kind of stay out there. But uh, just a positive attitude, and I learned how to, how to – um, Achieve long-term goals through short-term goals. Mm. Uh, my goal is not to get even to Friday. My goal is to get to lunch. <laughs> and then after lunch, I'll get to dinner. And then dinner, they'll let me sleep eventually. So I'm going to do everything they, they asked me to do 
to get back in that bed. And then when then when I get done with today, because I made my bed the right way in the morning, tomorrow's a clean slate and a fresh start. And, and uh, it doesn't matter what happened today. I made it to tomorrow. And I even tell um, – I talk, I talk a lot around the country. I talk to businesses. I talk to mm. companies. I talk to uh, sports teams. I love talking to especially college football teams because I'll tell them that um, the best advice I have for everyone is get over it. So when it's second and 15, it doesn't matter who missed their assignment. Hmm. It doesn't matter what the incomplete pass. Uh, it's just second and 15. We're here. Let's move forward. Get over it. Yeah, mm-hmm. We can talk about it when the game's over and learn from it. But right now, worrying about what just happened, worrying why we're here. Is that something you learned in the service oh, yeah. really built on that? Oh, yeah. On the Bin Laden raid. I was on the helicopter that didn't crash, but I was on the one that got let out in the wrong spot. So I didn't know they crashed inside. And when we were going to blow up the front door, to get, I thought they got took fire and did like a racetrack. They flew a loop to to get back in the fight. Mm. So we're going to blow it. I just I put an explosive device on the on the front door of the main compound. So the one the cars go in and out of, like a driveway. Mm-hmm. And I told them we're going to blow it up. And they said, don't, don't blow it up. We'll just open it. I didn't know they were in there. The door opens. The thumb came out. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, now I could ask them how they got there. But it doesn't matter because they're, they're there and I'm wasting time. They're right. just there. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Hopefully we live and we talk about so it. So we're talking back. about May 2nd, 2011. Yep. Uh, this is the raid on bin Laden's mm-hmm. compound in Pakistan. Um, you were briefed. Did you know how long before you left did you know you were going? About three weeks. Three weeks. So you knew that he was the target. Yeah. When they finally told us it was the target, we wondered why we weren't going today. Right. We're ready now. Let's go now. Mm-hmm. He's in there. And the people that found him were ready for us to go, too. But you were training for a lot longer than that for this mission, Not right? three weeks. I mean, we'd, we'd been training for that forever, and we'd, we'd been to combat so many times before yeah. that. And, and we were ready to do anything because you don't want to assume you're going, going into a situation knowing the plan. Well, you know the plan, but you're going to have right. your preparation because mm-hmm. as soon as you think, like if someone said, as soon as you go in the front door, there's going to be a hallway to your right. The hallway's going to be to your left when you get there. Yeah. So don't plan on that. What you can't yeah. see, just get there and assess it. Don't assume something's going to be a certain so way. So when you when you are in the chopper, you're flying towards the compound. I'm assuming it's the middle of the night. There's two yep. two choppers. Yep. What's going through your head at that moment? Um, that we could get shot down in any second, but me worrying about it not isn't going to affect it. If I sit there and tremble about a missile that could blow us up in any second, it's not going to stop the missile. So don't worry about it. Don't waste is that your energy. adrenaline pumping? No, it's counting. Counting is from zero to a thousand. You just wanted to get there and get it. Get, no, I, just, get I mean, the- it's just like just live in the moment, thinking about you know, looking at my friends. We learned that again. Worrying, about, don't don't waste your emotions on on right. stupid stuff. Uh, don't you can't affect it. Stop worrying about it. So like I was looking around the helicopter, being so proud of everybody, but some of my guys were asleep. Which I just think is ice now, cold. Being in your ass. Yeah, it's like you're you're on the ride to Osama bin Laden's house and you're asleep. Well, how long was the flight? Ninety minutes. That's quite a long time. That's it an is. hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It's to think about all the different yeah. scenarios. Do we? Well, going, it's, it's not even through your. It's head? not even thinking about the scenarios because we know we're we know what we're doing, and this isn't even a hard target. It's just a long flight. So we're going to get there, and we've, we've rehearsed this so many times. We know every possible – it's like reflection on how did we all get here. Mm. Thinking about the – this is the same group that rescued Captain Richard Phillips. A right. lot of these guys were the same guys that went played to rescue by the Tom Hanks, But yeah. Played by Tom Hanks in the movie, mm-hmm. the, the, the giant uh, cargo ship. Yeah. Uh, we were we – Were, were most, you on that mission too? Yeah, I was the lead jumper. I was the first one to jump out of the, the airplane to, to go get him. I didn't shoot. Um, I but I, I got there and we all came up with a different plan how to get him. Wow, you hit you! You've been on some very yeah. We, interesting I, missions. I was my first overseas deployment with SEAL Team Six was one of the missions was to go after uh, Marcus Latrell, the lone survivor. We were on the mm-hmm. mountain for that, and then uh, same group of guys. We were also on the um, we were on the base when Bo Bergdahl walked off, 
And we we were so close oh. to rescuing him. We did about 19 missions because they were the the locals caught him. They sold him to the Taliban. They wanted to get him to Haqqani over in Pakistan. So we're chasing him the whole time, trying to catch up. To him. We but actually he, had, he walked off by himself. He walked right? off by himself, but once you know he realized a horrible decision, and we're trying to rescue him. I mean, he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. But he's an American idiot, and you know right. we can so get, him back, to get our, him back. At least we get him back to yeah. in our prison where it's humane. You know. Well, so the the Bin Laden raid, how was that unique compared to the, all these other high profile raids that you were involved in? Uh, longer longer flight, and there wasn't any ref- chance to refuel. So we had to have the right amount of fuel, which means the certain amount of time on the ground, which means we need to be out of here at this point. Or else we're not going to make it back. That was our original mm-hmm. plan, and then we can't. You know, we we uh, a lot of people don't realize when you go on a long uh, flight, like in a, a mission in mm-hmm. Iraq, you're going to stop. You're going to be able to stop at forward operating bases that have refueling stations. But when you fly into Pakistan, especially when they don't know you're coming, mm-hmm. you're, you can't stop at a sit go. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> well, yeah. you're in it. <laughs> Were you expecting some sort of resistance? Yeah, I thought the house was going to blow up. I thought we died. Thought I thought we died inside the house. Crap, That's yeah. what I would have bet. Even when when we were, um, I was on the rooftop team. We were going to put a team down in the front yard. We were going to put a team on the outside with snipers, an interpreter, and a canine. Mm. And then my team was going to go on the rooftop, and we're going to work our way of like jumping off the roof onto the balcony. And we're going to try to hit them on the third floor and the other teams coming up. And our team, like maybe seven of us that were getting on the rooftop, I told them the house is probably going to blow up as soon as we get there. We were actually calling ourselves. They're the, saying, thanks, we're up. <laughs> no, we all knew it. And we were calling ourselves the Martyrs Brigade. Wow. Like, we're going to die on top of this house. But if it blows up, he did it himself, and we're going to die with him. That's what we came for. So you get there, you find out. Well, you didn't know that one of the choppers had actually gone I had, down. No, I didn't know until we got in the house. And one now, of the guys no told one me, was badly injured on that no. helicopter. They managed to get well, to the they, ground. Yeah, they, they were good because they didn't crash. The flight lead, uh, the, the main pilot, yeah. crash landed. Okay. Because he knew when he tried to hover that he couldn't hold a hover. And had he been a less experienced pilot, he would have tried to power up. That would have rolled it, killed everyone on board because they would have crashed head first. He knew if, if, he, if he spun it, he could probably put the tail on the mud wall, pin the nose mm-hmm. to the ground, and stick it. And he stuck it. Wow. And um, we were fortunate. The Army gave us the four best pilots in the Army, which coincidentally are the four best pilots in the world. The best helicopter pilots are Army pilots. They're the best. All right. So they get in. You, as you said earlier, manage to get through the door because suddenly a thumb comes around. They're in. They open the door. Yeah. You don't have to blow through. Did you know prior to this who was going where, and did you know you were going to no, go? No, no. We, well, no, sort of. We knew about the guest house, which is we. Well, there was a family living there, and I think the courier. Mm. No, no, no. One of the brothers. There were two brothers, a courier and the brother. They were working for Bin Laden before 9-11 in Ather. We knew they had that. We knew there was um, like an animal stable, another carport, the main house, and a few places. So we knew which guys were going to the main houses, and we'd all link up eventually. We knew where command and control was going to go, and we we had redundancy with a couple different radios that could talk back to the United States because they were monitoring. Obviously, um, they couldn't see it, but we were given a pro word. That's that's how Geronimo came up. Yeah, we didn't name Bin Laden Geronimo as a pro word for we found him. It was never insulting the warrior Geronimo to name Bin Laden that. It was a pro word in honor of the warrior Geronimo, who was an American. So you fly into the doors. You don't know who's really where because it's dark. You're wearing night vision goggles. Yeah, but we, yeah, we can see. You got all of that. You can see. Yeah. So the first thing you do is what? You go up the stairs. Do you clear each? No, we got. Well, yeah, you got to clear everything as you go. You never want to go upstairs in an urban environment without clearing the level that you're on. So, mm-hmm. uh, because my helicopter landed outside, I didn't go on the roof. I was able to be in the back mm-hmm. of the line, and I was watching everyone. So I was lucky to get the best seat in the house for the pretty much the coolest mission in modern history. 
So I'm watching my guys work and just being proud of them. Mm. Like we all know the house can blow up, but no one's letting, no one's stopping to worry about it. They're just doing their jobs so, and we're slowly so, escalating force. And, it, and there's, there's resistance. A few people were killed. Um, of, these uh, were just gods the enemy. outside. Yep. Uh, family guards inside. Gods inside. Yeah, we were able to get the drop on him, even though we crashed, because huh. we're so good at like TV does a bad job and movies do a bad job. But once once the gunfights start, everyone starts screaming and yelling and go 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 go. go. Yeah, everyone's yeah, yelling yeah. hallway clear that. Shut up. It's, that's not that's <laughs> you're not, not helping. Just because you're talking does not mean you're communicating. If if you go through if you go around a corner and your gun point your gun points up, I'm assuming you're at a stairwell. You don't need to yell stairwell. You can <laughs> might as well just start yelling, "Hey, we're here, <laughs> USA." You know. Um, so yeah, we a c- couple fights and then we were quiet and and, and they they knew someone was inside. Mm. Tell me to get him, but we didn't make it apparent where we were. So that I mean, I'm they must have been scared. Was this a big building? Three stories. Three stories. Mm-hmm. Mm, what? Oh. Uh, you know, I, I five thousand square feet, I, not lot even of, that lot much. Of maybe maybe, maybe four thousand square feet. All right, a lot of little rooms. Yeah, little rooms, and then the second floor was like a bedroom and a few offices. And then the third floor was all Osama bin Laden and his his wife. So Amal. take take me through how you got up this. You uh, the first the, the first set of stairs. We were informed by the group of women who found bin Laden that Khalid bin Laden would be on the stairs, and he would be armed, and he is a threat. So get ready for him on the he's stairs. He's the brother. He's the he was the son. The son. So he's twenty or twenty one years old. All right. Um, and if we got past him, then we would find Osama on the third floor. And that's what the analyst said. And they were very, very correct. So I was in the back and I was watching him go up the stairs and, and just being quiet, watching the way they kind of pulled, pulled him out by talking to him, mm-hmm. um, confusing Khalid. He came out, he was armed and, and, uh, he, he was a threat. So he was engaged by one or two of the guys up front. And then we went around the corner to the second floor. And then you asked if we cleared the floors they, the guys in front of me, all cleared the second floor. And there were some women there, and I became the, the the one guy pointing up. He stayed he stayed focused on the threat, which would be the third floor, and everyone between us went right and left, so that I was the last guy, and I became the number two man. So there's two of us, one looking up, one. And my job was to hold onto his shoulder, keep positive control, just to let him know he doesn't need to look back because he needs to hold security, right, in case someone pops out. And when I squeeze him, it means I have I, I am looking behind us. Squeeze means we have enough. And I wanted I wanted four more to go with us. <laughs> I would have settled for two more, but they didn't show up because we sp- were spread too thin. He started saying that we got to get up because at the top of the stairs there was a um, a curtain that we could sort of see through, mm. and there were people moving. And he assumed they were suicide bombers. Mm. Right. And he started he didn't know it was me, but he obviously knew it was one of his guys. And he just started saying stuff that we we really need. What he's telling me is we can beat them if they're putting on vests. If we go now, we can beat them. Right. We need and, to go now. And we need to go right now. And I, I can close my eyes and see it, uh, the stairs. I, I remember the thought in my head was not bravery, not let's do this. It was more of a we are going to blow up when we go up these stairs, and I'm just tired of thinking about it. Let's get it over with. <laughs> he was brave. I was like, I'm here. Yeah, Might as well go up the last yeah. set of stairs. Might as well finish and so we, off. we went up, and he moved the curtain, and there were people there. He assumed were bombers, and it was so fast. He just He sort of jumped on them to absorb it. So maybe he could take all the blast, like a guy jumping on a grenade that didn't go off. Wow. Well, why didn't he just shoot them to? So then, well, because he, he they weren't necessarily. If he shot him, it was wrong. It's not worth. It's 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 a it's a. I don't know. It's a very very. It's a fa- it's a fast decision. Yeah, okay. His decision was to move them. Yeah, and maybe he, maybe he recognized um, they were, were women. Female? I don't know. These were females. Yeah, they these were they were, were uh, the two two females. Mm. And just because he went that way. To cover his back, I had to turn right. I turned right, and there's Osama bin Laden standing there, uh, three feet away. And his, his wife, Amal, Amal, was in front of him, and he was sort of pushing her towards me. 
He pushed his wife in he was, front of He was – I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> if um, if you read – Amal did an Jeez. interview that's pretty fascinating. She gives her version of the story, and it exactly matches my version of the story from opposite directions. Huh. And she was just saying that something like that he told her, they're not here for you, they're here for me. And And, and I don't – and her story is – it's so really cool. Do you think he was trying to push her out of the way or push her towards you? I, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, all I know is if 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 he would have surrendered, if he would have had his hands up and we could see or I could see that he wasn't wearing a suicide vest, he, we're taking him. But this is a kill capture mission, and it's a very high probability that we're going to die with him. So he had about a half a second to convince me not to kill him, and he didn't. And he was a threat um, to all of us. If he blows up, he might be uh, connected to – a house-born improvised explosive device that kills everyone. I had to shoot him where I shot him, which is right in the, right in the face three times. Uh, just because uh, I've dealt with suicide bombers before, they don't people don't die it for real like they do in the movies. They have a will to live, and if you shoot them in the chest, they're alive for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. shoot them, shoot them where they need to be shot in the face. They drop. It's just it's over it's before a dumb they know. Deal. It. And if he and a suicide bomber is simple as connecting maybe two leads that are one on each wrist, like they look like a little battery for a, a remote control, yeah. and everything goes up and it's all over. What went through your mind prior to you shooting him? Did you say, oh, my God, uh, no, it's no, no. Osama it, bin Laden? It Did was, you have time to think the, that? The one thing I remember specifically was how skinny he was. Then I remember how tall he was. Then I remember that his beard was gray, and he was not surrendering, and I saw his nose, and it's like, that's him, and he's a threat, and he's got, he's got to die now. But it was so fast. Just like that. Yeah. It didn't hit me until because uh, I, I grabbed the wife the, and put her on the bed. Because uh, I shot, I killed him at the foot of his bed. He, he, well, he fell that way. So he, he, his head was at the, a little, a little left, the center, of the middle of the bed. I could hear him take his last breath. I remember that. And I put his wife on the bed, and then his young kid was there, his young son, like a two or three. And I remember thinking, as a father, this poor kid has has nothing to do with this at all. Picked him up, put him next to his uh, mom, and then other seals are coming in the room, and that's what it hit me. And uh, one of my guys came up, and and seals are just really—they're so uh, very modest guys. Like like mm. when the the sniper that initiated the fire on Captain Phillips, when I I talked to him and I said, you know, you you you've just done the most historic thing in the history of the teams, the seal teams, mm. and he said, awesome, can we go home? Just yeah. nonchalant. So when this happened, one of my guys <laughs> came up to me, and I'm standing there, and he he said, hey, are you okay? And I said, I don't I don't think so. Um, what do we do now? And he laughed, and he goes, "Well, now we now we find the computers, right?" And I was like, "I was like, oh!" And he goes, well, "We we've done this every night for years, hundreds of times." Yeah. I said, "Yeah, you're right." And he goes, "Yeah, you just killed Osama bin Laden. Let's get to work." It's like, can, wow. can we just did have you comprehend a second? That? Yeah, yeah, it hit me, and then we we did, went to work, and then we, we were left. you still worried that there could have been a explosive? No, not at that at point. point. No, no. Now it turned from we might no blow up to now traps. we might live. We got this. Let's let's get let's get what we can get and leave. So then, what happens? You have to take the body out. Yeah, we got to put him in a body bag, which someone else did. They got the pictures that people are always the conspiracy theorists are like just show us that if no pictures, it didn't happen. The pictures are out there. Mm. Uh, they'll they'll get released eventually. Um, they some guys put him in a body bag. I went down to the second floor to help clear the three offices. We got as much intel as we could. I went back up, helped three other guys carry the body bag. We brought it out down the stairs, outside, the sniper outside. That was holding security was actually um, the sniper that that initiated the fire on the captain, captain Phillips raid. So th- that's how small this community is. Wow! And we gave him to him, and then we um, the, another helicopter with seals in it came in to get us. We put the original team on the helicopter. We came in with the body. 
we took some DNA. We split up because redundancy again. Yeah. They're going this way. We're going that way. And then uh, we have 90 minutes to fly out. If we don't get shot down, we lift. How long from the moment you landed to the moment you take off with the body? 47 minutes. 47 minutes. Yeah, we were shooting for 34, but we kind of got caught up. <laughs> so what was going through your mind? What was being said as you were leaving? Nothing. I I saw the guy I saw the guy that was tweeting. There's a famous guy that was tweeting, "Why are they doing military exercises on a Sunday night?" I think in the Pakistan military. Right. So we saw his face was lit up with uh his own camera or his own phone. And if Twitter was as popular then as it is now, everyone would have known what was going yeah. on, but no one knew. Mm. And I remember looking at that guy it, it, we're not in a war zone. If we just took, if we had just taken down a, a target in Iraq, we can um, shoot someone with a cell phone out because chances are they're blowing up a car bomb. It's, it's, and they shouldn't be there anyway. But this guy's tweeting, and I saw him from less than a hundred meters, and I, I remember thinking, this guy has no idea who we. They, no one knows we're here. Jeez. And then we just left, and then no one said anything because we don't want to jinx it. We have ninety minutes to fly. When did wow. you hear from the White House? You say they were monitoring the whole thing from the White House, which they do because you guys have cameras on. We heard from them. When we got back, I'm assuming that Admiral McRaven, who was kind of overseeing the whole thing, I know I talked to him, but he talked to the ground force commander. I'm sure they were talking back and forth to uh, the three-letter agency who was relaying it to the White House. And then we went up to Bagram Airfield where the, the law enforcement guys, FBI mm-hmm. guys were there. We brought the body with us. They were doing DNA. We were taking out all the stuff that we got out of the of the house and um, – they were going over it, and we were getting ready to eat breakfast. They brought Army brought us these big breakfast sandwiches, and we had the TV on. And it was actually on Fox News, and we were watching Geraldo, mm. and he was kind of running around saying, urgent, confirmed, mm. and they're saying bin Laden's dead. But the president hadn't confirmed it yet because some of our guys were still on the phone with the president. They were trying to go over numbers, how many were killed, how many were alive, right. who's left behind, and is it really him? And then we're sitting there, and um, so you're having breakfast. It's still sinking in. We're still like, in our uniforms. Oh my God. We're still in our uniforms. Bin Laden's body's laying ten feet away, and the and the the cops are not the cops, but the, the federal law enforcement guys are going over. The experts yeah. are going over everything, and um, we we I'm eating a breakfast sandwich. We have the TV on, and and President Obama walks down the long red carpet, and he said, uh, "Tonight I can have, I can report to the American people and to the world the United States conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al Qaeda." And I heard him say Osama bin Laden. I look at Osama bin Laden, and I thought, how in the world did I get here from Butte, Montana? <laughs> was there a sense of this was the face of 9-11? Yeah. And it felt good? That you, it was, you, it, uh, this is it, going to help with the healing process. Right. That we proved that no matter what they do to us, we have the capability to go get them and serve justice. And that, and that was it. And, then, and that, that should have – I mean, we were aware that the um, – the war is not over. The ideology is not over, and there's a lot more to it. But this is just a um, don't mess around with us too much. Are you concerned in the the, the since this has happened that your name is out there? Um, have you been criticized for 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 putting your name out there, saying yes, this was me? And well, what was your thinking? I think you'll get criticized for anything. Mm. Anything you do, someone's not gonna. Uh, um, especially with a lot of. <laughs> Um, one of my jokes with Navy SEALs, uh, you know, time heals everything. And at the time, the most important thing is what people are saying. But once you kind of get over it, it's it's fine. But one of the things that I, I came up with, because I've seen it, and I, I have nothing but love, I have nothing but good things to say about my community that I came from, the Navy, the the you know the my Army counterparts, everyone in the in the military and the the agencies. But especially with SEALs, I said, you know, if you took ten random Navy SEALs houses and put a dump truck full of money in each of their driveways. And you just dumped it out. 
three of them are going to complain that their driveways are blocked. <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna criticize, and there's you know the, the stuff comes with it. But after being, I mean, in is the, there a code of silence among Navy SEAL members? No, I, I, I am. I'm not the first Navy SEAL to write a book. I know so many guys that are my that have already retired, joined because of Richard Marsenko. He wrote Rogue Warrior, Point Man by Patches Watson. Someone said, uh, isn't there a, a code of conduct and an ethos? Like, yeah, I read about that in about 50 Navy SEAL books. <laughs> it's, it's No, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, also, I would imagine for the victims' families of 9-11, you've met with them, haven't that's you? That's part of many- the reason that I came public with with it as big as I did. Because when I got back... Everyone in the community, every Navy SEAL that knew a Navy SEAL, the first thing they said, including to me, is who got him? Mm-hmm. And then they, everyone on the mission knew. And again, it was never supposed to be me. I, a braver man than me, knowing tactics, someone smarter invented. I turned left. I turned right. He turned left. That's it. Um, but everyone said, well, don't tell anybody, but. And they'll say my name. And then they would tell a buddy, but don't say anything, but. So in Virginia Beach and San Diego, D.C., parts of New York, people Before already knew. And. You can't get the, that toothpaste back in the tube, and then it started to come out. And then I, you know, I I, I donated some stuff to the nine eleven memorial in Lower Manhattan, and and now that a lot of guys are out too, they're starting to donate stuff to a new exhibit they're putting up, which is I love it. That's I great. I hope everybody, including the pilots and the air crew, tell their stories about the Bin Laden raid. Yeah. There's going to be about twenty eight different stories that everyone should. Know. I think we're all pretty happy that George Washington brought a biographer across the Delaware to fight the Hessians. <laughs> of the movies out yeah. there, and I've seen movies of this, but of the that you were in on the raid on bin laden are they generally accurate no they did a really good job in zero dark 30 of showing the analysts okay and the woman maya portrayed a few different women it was one character based on a few they did an excellent Mm. job Mm. of the way she would um (laughs) write the number on the on the guy's the boss's window this is how many days we've known where he is and when she yelled at the seals i don't want to send you anyway i want to bomb the place i don't know why you're it's that that was she was like but she was 100% right about everything, yeah. and she was just frustrated because she knew she was right. Yeah. Um, Captain Phillips, great movie because it portrayed SEALs in the right light. Yeah. Uh, the guys, as soon as they shot, they didn't high-five. They put the bipods up, they left. Yep. And that's how good they were. That, so good. That, that I, lo- I really like Captain Phillips. Lone Survivor is excellent. Um, the, my only complaint about Lone Survivor is they couldn't make the mountain steep enough. They, I think they filmed it in New Mexico. The mountains are incredible, but they're steeper. It's a very tense movie. Oh that movie is gosh. awesome. And Marcus's will to live yeah. is second to none. Yeah. And his brother's fighting next to him, even though they're dying. Yeah. Um, with uh, Lieutenant Mike Murphy exposing himself because the only communication was an Iridium telephone. He knew he, if he got a call off, someone could help his guy. He's going to get killed. Yeah. He did that award uh, of the Medal of Honor. Um, American Sniper did a really good job of showing the effects of war on families. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like everyone in the theater with the fake baby when you hear Bradley Cooper had the doll and, he, and they, you can hear the yeah. theater go. Uh. <laughs> but they showed uh, Chris Kyle every single uh, deployment. It got worse from at home to the point where he wouldn't even go home. He went to the bar and started drinking. Yeah. And I have friends now, and I'm not name dropping. Um, that I t- like Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor yeah. Supreme Marine. Yeah. Well, we we talk about the further away from combat you get, the more into real life, the more you realize how messed up war is. Yeah. And so you, it's there. You the, must have gone through that. Yeah. And All it, of those yeah, stages. And it, it, it's, and it gets the further you get away, the worse it is. You just not that it's scary. You just realize, man, they were asking a lot out of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, they sniper did a great job with that. So it's um 
Yeah, I, you know they do a pretty good job with 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 some of the movies, and they have to Hollywood it up. If they of if they course. made more movies, how the missions went, it would be a boring movie because <laughs> we're in, we're pretty much in and out, and it's over. So now, um, you're a motivational speaker. Yes. You mentioned a little bit of that earlier. You speak to college football teams, but people want to hear your story. Yes, because it relates to life. Mm. Um, we were a really good team because we were good to each other. And um, yelling at your subordinates is not going to make them work harder. Figuring out why they're here, what's their motivation. The buck stops here, but I want you to want to come to work. And I've seen teams that, when I've seen teams that have really high morale, really low morale, and 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 the efficiency is really there when morale is high. And effective communication, may, for some reason, um, and this might have started with the movies, they want to compartmentalize everything, and people really um, love to say, "Well, you don't need to know." That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. If your people know what they're doing, but why they're doing it, they're going to be better. Tell them why. And these are the lessons that you can teach yes. companies mm-hmm. yeah. as you travel across this. I'm sure yeah. you've traveled far and wide to pass on these these things that you've learned, yeah, and, the discipline and how well, morale and, and, and plays it's, it's a big not, role. It's not going to go the way you expected it to go. Adapt and overcome. Um, you're going to learn from mistakes. Guess what? You're going to screw up. It's okay. And the other thing too that I love to hear—I don't know where they get this—is no fear. I just—I'm never. It's like if, if anyone that's been to combat tells you they weren't afraid, they're either lying about their experience or they're a complete sociopath. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty. People and, and they don't want the answer. They're like, "Weren't you afraid?" It's like I was afraid every time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay because so that's fe- human. It's yeah. human nature, and fear makes you think more clearly. When you're afraid, you got your stuff together. Yeah, you're thinking of it. You got it. I got it. like when when you're at home by yourself and something creaks, I, you can hear it. Yeah. It'll wake mm-hmm. you up. Yeah. So I know you don't speak a lot about politics, but since then, since the Bin Laden raid, ISIS has grown, and now President Trump has basically annihilated them in Syria. What do you think of what's happened since that raid in the way right now we're, we're looking at all these all these bombers in Europe, but yet. So it's growing in Europe, but yeah, it's shrinking in Syria because of it's President shrinking Trump's in action. Syria. But it's the ideology; it's not the physical caliphate. Mm-hmm. Everyone was rushing to rock Syria because that was the caliphate. That's the end of times. Mm-hmm. But once we proved that it's not, now they're going to try to get back. And you see it all the time; they're trying to get back in the UK. Mm-hmm. They're letting them a lot of them back to Canada. Mm-hmm. They're bringing these ISIS guys back in here, and now they realize the attacks can be with the um, the trucks, with the knives, with, yeah. with all that stuff, and the the. Yeah, the the problem, I mean, okay, so even when we started fighting in Syria, okay, they went to Yemen, they went to Egypt, they went to to Somalia. Uh, we're we're not going to, as a coalition, and by a coalition, I'm talking all of us, mm-hmm. we're not going to beat them by bombing them. We, we need to beat this radical ideology with the help of Muslims. And I've seen it before with the uh, United Arab Emirates, and they... they they declared care uh, terrorist organization, I think, in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's those, look at Dubai. Yeah. They realize that we can have the Western world in tourism. We can also have Islam. Mm. This does not need to be the Wahhabist ideology from how many, you know, yeah, a thousand years ago. They years. don't have to be separate things. No. They can be, they can be fine. They, they need to get with, they, I mean, and they'll say, well, the Christians were brutal. Yeah, mm. they, they were really brutal, but we're kind of getting around that now. And we're not stoning people to death because they don't agree in our version of Catholicism. Yeah. So we're, we, we need help of, of, um, of a, a lot of Muslims to get to get with the time, and a lot of them want to. A lot of them are tired of 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 this. Yeah, I, it was some of the, one of the best compliments I ever got after a speech is I had a guy come up and say, um, uh, "I'm a Muslim American. I'm really proud of you right now." And that's just awesome. Yeah, and 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 again too, if you, I'm fortunate with the public speaking, I get to talk to thousands of people personally a week, and everyone's. There are a lot more good people than there are bad people. We tend to forget that. Yeah, well, I, you know, because um, a lot of 
cable news likes um, the the fighting because it's ratings. Yeah. But no one cares about the ratings when there's a hurricane in Texas. Everyone shows up to help each other. Yes. So it's. I mean, it can be defeated. It's just it, we. It, you know, because like you know, people said to me, I was on an interview today, and they said, "Well, uh, uh, there's a lot of bad people out there," and I was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of good people too, though." Yeah, there's always going to be a threat, yeah. right? Always, always, especially to our way. Of like life, you said, I mean, it's, 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 it's someone shooting the helicopter. It's yeah. someone disagreeing with. Uh, it's some someone beating up someone because they don't like their way of life. Right. It's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But uh, how is life outside of the service now? You you spend a lot of time talking about your experiences, but you were recently married. Uh, yes. Uh, life is good. Life um, is great, yeah. It's good. Um, the transition of the private sector was the hardest part. I, I, uh, I'm a founder of yourgratefulnation.org, where we transition right now it's special operators to the private sector, which is good because I know a lot of men and women – who would rather go back to war than fill out a resume because war makes sense. Oh, and they don't realize they're qual- – like I've had guys yeah. tell me, I was like, hey, we're going to get you a job somewhere like in New York or, or Chicago. And they said, I'm not qualified for anything. I I know how to go in a room and shoot a bunch of people. And I'm like, well, yeah, and I've, you're exceptional at that. However, uh, <laughs> getting there, you um, – But they, learn, they know a lot of other skills yeah. that they don't the, even the, know the, they the have. The teamwork, the communication, the loyalty. Yes. The stress management. Yep. And I've had employers say that with a lot of the nonsense being taught on universities, I'd rather hire a veteran mm-hmm. with these skill sets, these people skills, um, and I'll teach them my job, and then they'll just do it. And they do this, and, and they're putting a lot of these guys in uh, uh, managerial-level positions. Mm. Um, and it's like a 90 uh, – you're grateful they just got like a 99% uh, attrition rate for, for promotion – and I ha- and we do it individualized. We start off with a veteran. Where do you want to live? What industry? Then we find that industry. Nine months of of um, mentorship, and then they hire them. And 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 I'm talking about these guys are hiring the, some of the pilots that flew us. Yeah. Some of the Rangers, Green Berets, Navy Seals. I Why mean, wouldn't you want? Them? Well, you, right. you you're talking about the the elite of the elite, yeah. right? And then you bring them back into this this part of the world. You know, I I would imagine a lot of them are probably overqualified because you take those jobs are such high stress. They are. You have to be able to think so fast. So it seems like when if you brought them back into an office job, that those, those environments might be too easy. Um, no, it's it's. It, they're still dealing with people, and they're still leading. They don't. They don't mind it. The the funniest part is um, that when they realize what they're actually worth, mm-hmm. they get their first paycheck. That's not a military paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, uh, just funny what time of year it is now. When they actually realize on April fifteenth what their fair share is, the uh-huh. first. Time, oh, by the way, um, that whole thing with getting money back—that's <laughs> not getting anything back. You're going to cut a check to what oh, we call yeah. the uh, Department of Revenue. Good old Uncle Sam. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Uh, but don't worry, he'll he'll spend it properly. <laughs> so you mentioned you were to bring this whole full full circle, if you like. You've been up in Montana. You're looking for some property. Is that somewhere where you would like to eventually return to? Yes, eventually, I'd like to get up there, uh, finish, you know, finish retire up there, yeah, between there and and um, you know, beachy type area. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I'll, you know, I'd like to you know have access to cities and stuff. I I love Florida. Yeah, um, well, hey, that's a you good. Don't miss, you don't low miss the, taxes. You don't miss the Middle East. Yeah, well, you know, I'm good. You, you want to go to the Middle East? Yeah, you want to go back to? Do you no, miss that? no, I'm good. <laughs> You're done. I you ha- no, if, if I need to see a pyramid, I'm going to go to the Luxor in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> the buffet's way better there than in Cairo. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Rob O'Neill, cool. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us. Um, a remarkable experience from a butte boy. It's been <laughs> real, real pleasure to speak to you, and thanks for coming thanks, by. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, American Brian, for hero. sure. Well, yeah. thank you. I worked with heroes, that's for sure. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for everyone listening in. We'll see you back here next time. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.